Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a staycation, Macy's has everything you need. Summer's almost here, and I'm so excited to take a trip with Bryn. We are planning it right now. We are heading to Macy's before we pack to grab new shoes we can wear all day with anything. I'm excited to lay in the sun with key pieces from Macy's, like my new Dolce Vita sandals and Levi's skirt. I am ready to relax and look and feel amazing. Oh, how good that sounds. Of course, I can't forget a new beach bag. I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. Imagine the feeling of pulsing electric shocks. Sounds like a nightmare, right? While individual experiences may vary, it's how some people describe shingles. This painful blistering rash could interrupt your life for weeks. It could even force you to cancel social events or weekend plans. Over 99% of adults 50 years or older already carry the virus that causes shingles. One in three people will get it in their lifetime. Why wait? Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles today. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far And you don't need a passport, which honestly, I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Okay, so I am engaged to Paul, who is very generous and um, has bought me beautiful gifts from the beginning. He is like Prince Charming. The flowers are crazy. His flower game, he could easily be a floral designer because he calls the florist and he talks to them and he chooses it and he designs the florals. He doesn't physically put the floor the flowers together but he he designs the flowers and it's literally crazy how spectacular they are so he also has bought me beautiful jewelry from the beginning like now when I look back and think about what date that was and how soon after we met like he was coming in for keeps you know he was literally Prince Charming he wasn't literally Prince Charming because Prince Charming is Prince Charming he was Paul but he was not literally Prince Charming so um I have some gifts and jewelry from other people. I have an ex that once bought me a nice watch that he then later asked me if he could buy back from me because it became the hottest watch. It's a collector's item now. So just he bought me a very nice watch, but not like crazy, crazy. And all of a sudden it became a collector's item. It's uh, It was expensive. It, I don't know what it was to begin with because I think he bought it used which is fine because I believe in buying watches used and I'm a collector so on another day we can also talk about watch collecting and how to start and how to maintain it but um he bought me a Rolex Hulk which is a stainless steel uh Rolex that has a green face and a green dial and when it came out um it was just another Rolex watches right now in the world because of the pandemic and people being home and wanting better and value and collecting and quality Rolexes they cannot keep in stores it sounds crazy and I know it's insensitive to um, people that are on the unemployment line and at food banks and I am not trying to be insulting I'm just explaining something that's going on in the luxury goods market right now where watches are crazy Um, watches I assume like 
high-end jewelry, probably luxury goods. I, I mean, in Miami, every single person had a Gucci or Louis Vuitton or Chanel bag. Every person, I don't know where everyone's getting all this money, but it seems like a lot of people have disposable income. Maybe they've been hoarding and storing since being away. But I'm, I'm Hermes bags are probably way up. So this Rolex is now worth probably four times what it originally was. So I don't really wear it because of Paul. And I know he's not a big fan of wearing jewelry from exes. What if you have like your major watch? You're gonna, what are you going to do? You're going to just not ever wear it? And thank God Paul has bought me the best presence of any person I've ever been with. But what is the rule on presence from exes? Is that just out? Like what if someone got divorced, got married to someone else, had that original diamond and then wanted to put it in a pendant. Isn't that then just a new piece of jewelry? Because I have a setting that initially, a really nice setting has diamonds on the side and it was initially supposed to go with a ring from someone else, but I designed the setting. I now own the setting. It doesn't have a diamond or a stone or anything in the middle of it, but because it was originally intended to be for something that was going to be paid for by somebody before, does that mean I couldn't wear it now? Like, where do we, where do we draw the line on presents from exes? I think you wear it, you don't bring it up, and you don't bring it out, and you don't wear it when you're with the person. It does. It could be a don't ask, don't tell. You don't have to do like a jewelry tour of everything you own. So Katie's husband should be wearing it today when she's here, but not when she's around, and that should be a deal. I don't wear the Hulk with Paul. There's no reason he's bought me so many beautiful watches, way more valuable than the Hulk. And so I don't wear it when I'm with him. But when I'm knocking around in the Hamptons or with Bryn, I'll wear it. And I don't think she, Paul, Paul would probably care if I gave it to Bryn one day because they're very close. So just don't wear it around your person is my opinion. But I don't think you need to sell all your memories. So what do you think? Can you wear gifts from exes? Does it matter how valuable they are? Does it matter how meaningful they are? Does it matter what ex it is? Or do you just don't ask, don't tell, don't wear around them? What do you all think? My guest today is billionaire Daniel Lubetsky, the founder and executive chairman of snack company Kind. He launched the company in 2003 when he was unhappy with the unhealthy or unappetizing snack choices when on the run. Kind has since then become the fastest growing snack company in the U.S., Today, we talk about how the best brands come from your personal mission, the importance of building a strong foundation for your business before expanding, the secret of clear branding, and how the struggle of building your business will be some of your fondest memories in the future. Daniel built Kind from the bottom and was incredibly savvy in expanding the brand. You're going to learn a lot from his story. I definitely did. Hello. Hi, Bethany. So you have done some podcasts. You were on Shark Tank, so we have that in common. And you've created a household name brand, certainly in this country. Are you all over the world? We're in 35 countries. Wow. And in creating this brand, was this a happy accident? Or did you plan to have a healthy food brand? Or did you just want, did this just solve a problem in your own life? So I started by chance in the food industry, had gone to college and law school and written about how to use business to try to advance the peace process between Arabs and Israelis. I'm a confused Mexican Jew trying to get Arabs and Israelis together in 1993. And I started a company called PeaceWorks to use business to bring neighbors together. And seven or eight years later, I stumbled upon the idea of what I needed for myself, which was a healthy snack that I could feel good about eating on the go when I was traveling or skipping lunch or dinner or going on the go. And that's how kind was. Oh, okay. But you did not think that that was going to be your main thing. That was like a side thing to solve a problem. And it became your main thing. If you had told me that I was going to be in the food industry or no, I thought I was going to be a, a diplomat bringing peace to the world, which that I failed miserably at. Interesting, but it's a, but it's also interesting how somehow you found a way to weave into your business brand your personal mantra and goal set, which is interesting to me. I mean that that you know exactly what your brand is. I, I agree completely, and I 
I learned it the hard way. I have figured out now when I look back that what I'm here for is to try to build bridges between people. And so if you look back through when I was a 12-year-old on the world till now, it's always been building bridges between people, partly because I was raised in Mexico in a very small Jewish community where my parents taught me to build bridges. My father was uh, rescued from a concentration camp in Dachau by American soldiers. And so for them, it was very important to prevent what happened to him from happening again to others by connecting with other fellow human beings. And so I discovered my mission early on. I didn't understand branding that well. And I think you're right, Bethany, that what I, I'm lucky that I had that purpose from an early age. And once I started PeaceWorks and I had discovered that you can actually, through business, have some social impact, I wanted to try to create a model in kind where we could really actually embed a commitment to make our small contribution to make this world a little kinder. And so I was very mission-driven, but I hadn't learned early on that this important tenet that a brand is a promise and a great brand is a promise well-kept. And so I used to be all over the place and try to do too many things. And once we launched Kind, we learned from our mistakes at PeaceWorks and we're very, very, very clear on our guardrails of what we would be and what we would not be in terms of our mission, in terms of our products, what our products stood for. We didn't need to go overly high-end or overly low-end. We wanted to be precisely a premium, healthy snack product, but that was, I mean, we were very, very focused. And I think that made all the difference, like you said, that we understood what we were about and what promise we were making to our consumers and we needed to keep that. Well, that's an excellent point that has never come up on the show, even though I've thought about it so many times, is that you said you were all over the place. And in many points, I was all over the place because you are all over the place until you figure out what it is that you're supposed to do. I've heard people say, I want to find out where white space is and I want to create something and I want to do something. And typically, good brands come from within. You could really, I was just on the phone about a home line five minutes ago with uh, this 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 company that manufactures different home products. And some of the things that I want to do have already been done before, but I want to do them in my way. But I will understand how to brand them, how to explain to people what the solution is that they bring, where four people could do, sell a towel, but am I selling a towel with a certain feeling that has... Uh, some other um, towel holder that encases it or a hook on the towel that makes it easier to hang because that would be part of the brand versus just selling a towel. But it's also, you know, entrepreneurs and you're a true entrepreneur. And I think I am too, since I was a kid, I was looking for brands, but entrepreneurs, their greatest strength is also their greatest weakness. We see opportunities and we are resourceful and entrepreneurial and we want to pursue opportunities. And a lot of people just sit at home and don't pursue those opportunities. Entrepreneurs have the opposite problem. They want to pursue too many opportunities. And I think focus, you need to balance that resourcefulness with the need to be disciplined and focused because you cannot be everything to everybody or else you'll be nothing to nobody. Bethany, I have a question for you because I have observed over the last many years that a lot of personalities and celebrities that have incredible brands do not succeed when they try to build consumer product goods brands. The vast majority of incredible stars just don't succeed. You did a great job. Like you have one of the most prominent brands that really did establish itself very well and has, like you said, is that, do you think the secret was that clear branding or what else did you do to make sure that you're, brand becomes such a success? Well, I think I'm an expert on this only because I was in a, a vehicle and a platform within being on television, reality television. I was the first one to say, I'm on television. I'm going to monetize this. And I'm going to use this as a business vehicle. I just knew that very clearly. So first of all, having a plan and setting yourself up, regardless of which road you're going to go down, is hugely important. Second of all, People slap their names on things. It's too tempting. Once you get attention, people want you to do a bunch of different things. And if you're not um, selective and if you don't have a very cleared roadmap, you will get on the wrong road and get tempted. So 
Uh, someone said to me years ago, you always are making the right moves. I see it as chess. I think four steps down the line. And so I am very methodical. I hold the steering wheel very tight and make sure that I really make good decisions. And that's risky sometimes because you give up money. But I left the housewives because I didn't think it reflected where I am now. And I didn't think it was good for my brand overall, even though I was leaving a lot of money on the table. I was doing that so I could jump and fly because I wanted to preserve the brand. Um, And I think it's about excellent decision making and the right roadmap. And there are people way more famous than me, Ryan Seacrest, uh, Jennifer Aniston, people that they don't have a brand. They are a brand because they're successful, but they don't have a consumer products brand, as you said, because they have to focus on their main career, being on television, doing all that. It's not that easy to be the CEO and the talent. Besides being highly strategic with your choices, which you clearly were, is there anything else that when you grew up, you learned from your parents or that made you be a good business person and have a good head on your shoulders to decide how this happened? Or how did that come about the business side? I grew up uh, in a very dysfunctional, abusive gambling racetrack household. So I was a hustler early. It sounds crazy. I was going to nightclubs when I was 14 years old, 13 years old. When I was 13 years old, I was going to nightclubs. I was getting myself into Manhattan on a train, figuring out a way to get myself in. I wasn't like crazy with drugs or anything like that. It wasn't like that. I was almost like an adult because at four or five o'clock, I used to hear physical abuse in my house, call the cops. Like I was responsible. So I was an adult very early and I was analytical and thinking very uh, strategically, very, very early. And also the racetrack is really, there's no second. You come in first. Nobody cares about who came in second at the Kentucky Derby. So it's just a very competitive um, and strategic place to be. So I, I I think I was always new. We went to, I went to 13 schools. I was always new. That means you have to pivot, shift, adjust, work in a crisis. So I have a lot of the ingredients for someone that can hustle and really doesn't get ruffled by crazy things happening. In fact, when crazy things happen, that's when I really kick in and figure out the, the solutions. And as a, a person who's an entrepreneur or a brand builder, you have to really understand shit's going to go sideways. And any entrepreneur knows that. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop, but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung Smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, 
offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Did you grow up wealthy? You went to good colleges. Did you, what was your background? So it's a it's a very good question because I when I grew up I didn't realize how blessed I was. I, I never wanted for anything and I had we lived in Mexico City, we had a very nice home. And when we immigrated to San Antonio, Texas, we I was 15 and a half years old, and the contrast from my father to us was, you know, my father when he was 15 and a half years old was liberated from the Dachau concentration camp and he immigrated to Mexico with nothing but the clothes on his back. And he had a third grade education because after that he had been in the war and he just had, so compared to that, I had everything. And so I would say we were upper middle class or, you know, I think we were very, very comfortable. And what I have right now with my kids, what one of the things that I try to do is to try to make sure that you know, because I think my dad's greatest success came when we were a little bit older, but I'm not 100% certain. And I want to make sure that they remember because they didn't see when I was like waking up at 6 a.m. in the morning or 5 a.m. in the morning and finishing at 5 a.m. at night. Like, you know, sometimes literally 24 hour days, 18 hour days, 16 hour days where I had to go walk up and down the streets of Manhattan to knock on the doors, to try to get the orders, then process the order myself, then deliver the products myself, then invoice them myself and try to collect myself. And it was, it was a very, you know, and many, many months and years, I could barely make ends meet. No, to make no money. And you're too young to know this, uh, Bethany, but back when I was doing this, there were no apps and there was no internet. So I would literally take a piece of paper and then I would handwrite the map and I would plot, okay, on 42nd Street and Broadway, there's this store. And I would like literally, I, I still today can tell you the best street for the most grocery stores per capita in New York City is Broadway on the west side of Broadway. And I can tell you the areas, the streets that you shouldn't waste your time on. And I like, the delis in the 40s were good. The delis in the 40s were good. They sold more cookies. Yeah, it's so funny. No, I totally remember. You had no GPS. You had no, you know, you just drove up and down the streets. I, I did it to make no money. And the best part is that whenever I had a quote-unquote vacation, I was working. So if I had my friend's wedding in Cape Cod, he always teases me about it, that when they were doing the clam bake, I was going selling products to the little corner shops. And I had no idea what I was doing because I was selling these Mediterranean spreads made through cooperation between Arabs and Israelis. And I was going to these like New England clam yes. shops and they're like, why would you take <laughs> exactly. this? It makes no sense to us. But I would not relent till the poor people buy, you know, one case for $36. I got it. I really do. I know that's an entrepreneur. You don't even know what you're doing. And the thing is that I always say to people, making the mistakes early is so great because the mistakes you made then, you still can remember now and apply them to what you're doing now on some level, like throwing good money after bad. A main, main, main thing that every new entrepreneur or young entrepreneur mistake that they make, good money after bad. You are halfway between Cuba and Florida and you have no idea to keep swimming, you're drowning, whether you have to go back because you just know you're not making money. It's very hard on your ego to shut it down. You think you might be able to make it because people do like what you're selling, but you're not making any money and it's not working out. And it's honestly brutal, brutal being an entrepreneur. But that is what really makes you. I remember that like it was yesterday. And also to the entrepreneurs that are listening to you. Uh, and right now, we it's actually really interesting because those horrible memories 
and end up being the most fun to look at 10, 20 years later. But to be clear, when you are in the midst of it and you spend three days pummeling the pavement and trying to get into the stores and you look back and you realize that you made no money or you lost $50, it is depressing as hell. And there were many very, very tough moments along the way. But then you look back and those are the moments when you forged your, you know, your grit. And, and like you said, Bethany, as long, as long as you are self-reflective and you analyze your mistakes, it should be okay for you to make those mistakes as long as you're learning from it. Because really, truly, a lot of kind success and, you know, kind is now $5 billion company. And a lot of those successes came from the lessons of the mistakes that you make earlier and just need to be disciplined in the future and you wouldn't feel as good about your success if you couldn't say that you had gone through that if it had been handed to you that grit is part of the you know your fiber so are you particularly i want to get into the building of your business but are you personally very healthy are you are you fastidious about your exercise your food and your diet so one of my former greatest weaknesses was solved by covid i didn't used to exercise or sleep enough I still, I think, don't sleep enough. Yesterday, I got six and a half hours, but it's much better than it used to be. And I, on average, I now I'm averaging seven hours, where it used to be five. Why? Why? I, I, yeah, I always have stuff going on in my mind, and I'm always worried about the world, and I'm worried, worried about, you know, the world we're inheriting to our children and the stuff that's going. On. I, I don't know. I have this, you know. Well, I'm a, I told you I'm a confused Mexican Jew, so I have this neurotic worrying and, you know, being with my background, I, I worry a lot about a lot of things. But also, I didn't used to uh, do enough exercise. And then in the last year, now I, I realized that I was telling my wife recently, I, I work out five to seven days a week now, and it's something I'm, I feel so much better about because I used to only work out two days a week. I think my eating habits are, relatively speaking, very good. It does not mean that I don't indulge a lot of when, when we did this partnership with Mars, the CEO uh, in his great Scottish accent that I'm not going to try to imitate. I said, Oh, I heard, well, I, maybe I will try to imitate. Uh, but he said, I heard you don't like sweets. I said, no, that's not, it's not that I don't like sweets. I don't like dishonesty. And so I love donuts. I love sweets. And I just, for me, it's very important to, to make sure that you are what you say rather than, you know, convey something or something other than what it is. I want to understand how you took this business to $5 billion. So you're peddling your your bars and you're peddling them to the delis and you you know no one knows who you are. You're not on a television show. So so what happened? Like what's gone on? And and you own how much of the company do you own? Are you allowed to say this type of thing? Like I want to get into the business a little. Um no, we were in there in NDA, but I still own a, a an ongoing financial stake, but I did have a transaction earlier, uh, you know, a few months ago when I sold up for the first time in my, in the last six months, we, I sold up a majority stake for the first time to Mars. So they were our partners. That, yeah. So Mars helped us, um, grow global. You asked earlier, and we, we have on our own gotten into four or five countries and we were in maybe 34 countries, but without us controlling our destinies. And we realized that if we didn't do this ourselves, somebody else was going to do it and they were not going to do it right. They were just going to, we literally have people going into Costco and buying pallet loads and then exporting them to their countries. And then your brand is not being handled the way you want to handle it. So we're almost forced to find an international partner. And Mars is a very long-term oriented family. Most people associate them with candy, but their number one business is veterinary services and, and pet food. And they are a very, very large company, very long-term oriented. So we chose them as our partner to help us grow globally. And that's they helped us get to those 35 countries. The reason why we achieved what we achieved is because I surrounded myself with amazing people. And when I figured out that I should feel common, it's not easy. It's easier said than done, but you need to find people that are better than you at whatever they focus on. And so, you know, when you are a one-person operation, you're doing every job. And it's actually good because you learn all the facets of business. But once you're able to attract talent, you want to feel comfortable, move your ego aside, which is not easy. All of us as human beings sometimes feel intimidated by people that are better than us. But once I found the comfort with that, that's when we started soaring. 
Well, you need to build an all-star team, like a basketball team. And I think about this because I'm going through this with the show that I have in hiring the right person. And the truth is it takes time. It's very tedious and taxing to build a team. So, all right, so you're selling bars to delis. So what's the first thing that makes you realize, okay, this is going to pop off? Like what year was that? I need some sort of a timeline, some sort of an understanding. You'll understand this because you're from the East Coast. I used to live in a tiny studio apartment and I had my car that I had used in college and law school. I drove it to New York and I couldn't afford parking spots. So I used to park it on the streets and it was totally beaten up. And it was, uh, I used duct tape to hold the uh, the trunk closed. And I used to go to a friend of mine. His parents were so sweet. It never crossed my mind where I was in my 20s. I used to, they used to invite me to the Hamptons and I would arrive with my beaten up car with uh, with a trunk literally duct taped and it never crossed my mind that I was embarrassing this poor family that the neighbors were like who was this guy hosting in their fancy Hamptons home but they were so loving and so welcoming and so they actually had fun that I was an entrepreneur and that I just did my stuff you were shameless so the year the year we came up with the idea who's we you keep saying we we a motley crew of six or seven people that were working at PeaceWorks and I it was a very tough year 2003 because my dad had died that year so I was suffering a lot from that and and missing him a lot. And then we had lost distribution of one of our lines that we had been building that we represented somebody else and they had changed the ingredients and we had lost a lot of our distribution. So we sat around the table and we said, you know, should we give this a go or should we just close? It, It was that, Bethany, we were this close from throwing in the towel. Literally, I remember that meeting. We sat around the table why were you going to close? It just wasn't doing going well? I could barely pay myself my salary or pay my team member salaries. We had just worked for two, three years building this other brand, getting it to one or $2 million, and then all of a sudden losing everything and losing all of the distribution. So all of our investment had gone to zero. But none of this was the kind bar that we know. None of this was that bar. No, we were, we were, design, we were incubating the kind brand but we were losing a lot of money and so, and it was very, very hard. You know, it was two steps forward, three steps back. It was very tough. And so we sat around the table and said, do we give this a shot or do we just, I was almost asking for permission from a team because I didn't want to let, let them down, but I almost felt like I should just go back and look for a job. And, you know, I, I had a law degree, so I could go work for one of my friends and my, each of my team members would go do their own thing. We literally said, should we give this a shot or close down? And we voted and everybody voted, let's give this one last shot. And if it doesn't work, then we close up shop. And then we launched Kind and the rest is history. And so what happened is that exactly what we're talking about earlier. What year was that? It was 2003 when we conceived the concept. All right. So 2003, you 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 have the idea for Kind or you're launching Kind. And then 2003, we conceived it, incubated, voted to pursue it. 2004, we launched it. And what happened is it just hit a spot. You know, the product, as you may have seen it, it's ingredients you can see and pronounce, which is a trademark. That's in my first book, Naturally Thin. Literally, eat ingredients you can pronounce. Oh, that's literally from 2007. And it's all, it's all you know, crafted. In, you can see beautiful whole almonds in transparent packaging, which back then, all of that was very disruptive. In fact, when I would go to the stores and I would try to get them to even the natural stores, they didn't know where to put it because there was no a healthy snack bar set. So they were like, well, this doesn't look like a nutrition bar. And I'm like, but that's the whole point that this other stuff looks like astronaut food and like it doesn't look real food. This is real food. But they would give me a shot, but then the consumer it would really resonate with people. We had these little stands or POP displays. And the product would just sell itself. You know, the first billion dollars that we sold was with almost no advertising. We had over our, our entire marketing budget that, that got us to a billion dollars in revenues was only $5 million. So whose money was that? All these people? Our marketing budget came from our company. The invest At that point, uh, we didn't really have investors. It was just us. It was just me. And I had three friends from childhood that had invested $100,000 in PeaceWorks and PeaceWorks had on sideways, the investment was worthless. But when I launched Kind, I launched it from PeaceWorks so I could give them, hopefully, credit. And the, 
these guys that had believed in me for 10 years with that their investment had gone to nothing, then ended up making tens of millions of dollars. Wow. Because of what kind became, but, but I, we just bootstrapped it and we just, whatever we sold, we put it back into the business. So through 2008, we had no investment. We had just, you know, whatever it would make, we'd put it back into the company. We just grew organically. So you had five years and you're all freaking out. Like we have something crazy here, right? Like you're like, wow, this is major. Right. From 2004 to 2008, it just doubles every year, cash flow positively and profitably. And it just, we just fueled our own growth. And in some ways it's amazing because it allowed me not to dilute myself. In some ways we were not being assertive enough. I had learned the wrong lesson. The lesson I had learned is don't waste money, which is good, but it was taken to an extreme. I had a scarcity mentality where I assumed any amount of money spent was a waste, where sometimes you need to invest. And so there's three types of mentalities in business. There's a scarcity mentality, which is the one I have adopted by not having money. The opposite extreme is the wasteful mentality where just you have all this money from investors and you're just wasting. Put the money back in the business, put the money back in the business, put the money back in the business. You might not be wasting. You might think you're not wasting. No, but wasting mentality is where you're buying that ping pong table and you're just, we're just, you're like spending money without thinking and, or you're, or, or you're throwing an advertising, but you're not checking that the advertising actually works. And then the right mentality is in the middle is the resourceful mentality where you don't waste, but you invest. And so in us, in our case, it was, we found out that nine out of 10 people that tried a kind bar would come back. And within three months, the investment paid for itself. So we just started sampling. We just started giving people free kind bars. And that's when our growth just exploded and accelerated. And the key was that we started making strategic investments in our community. We would just give them product to try for free. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop, but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung Smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So what works for you and your wife in your relationship, being successful, being an idea hamster? Um, I don't know. Does she work? Uh, does she have a career? Yeah, she's a, she's a doctor. She's a transplant nephrologist. Okay, so you have four kids. You both have serious careers, not just jobs. And how do you manage that dynamic and what goes right and what goes wrong? So many years ago when I was dating Michelle, my wife, I talked to one of my best friends, Greg, Gregor Schneider, and he said something that's helped me a lot. He, he said, marriage, what people tend to forget and they think it's like Madison Avenue or Disney and it's like there's romance. There is, there's hopefully romance and all those elements are very important. But the most important thing is it's a partnership. You have so many decisions to reach about raising your children every single day. And you might have differences in opinion. You will have different opinion because by definition, people are individuals and they hopefully have individual personalities or else it's like the woman from coming to America that Eddie Murphy was going to be forced to marry. So you, you have to understand that it's a partnership and you need to learn how to navigate that partnership, like with a partner, how to listen to your partner and, and, and learn to converse with each other and work things out together. I think it's, it's very essential when you're in a relationship that you learn to, it's almost like a, it's a partnership. The other thing that I try to remind myself and Michelle and I try to remind ourselves is you cannot take it for granted. You have to invest into it every single day. That's the next question I was going to have working at it. Would you say you work at it actively like you do your business? You work at your relationship? We, she and I talk about it very frequently. And we, you know, life gets in the way and all these things happen. And so then you neglect going out on dates together. You neglect going out on walks together. You're going to neglect enjoying each other. And then your kids go to college and you realize that you don't have that partner anymore. So we try wherever we can to go out for a walk together here or there, to go for a talk here or there, to go for a date here or there. And, and it's, I think it's very important that you not take your partner for granted and that you constantly invest in one another. So it's a discipline, just like sleep or health or anything else. It's a discipline. You have to work at it. And a conscious effort to not, you know, you and I are entrepreneurs I have, you know, hundreds of team members that recognize that I'm the leader in the company or in, in either in our foundation or, or in our family office or when I was a CEO at Kind, that you're used to. And I, I try to create a culture in all of those organizations where people are comfortable challenging me and are comfortable keeping me, you know, grounded. But the best person to do that is your spouse. And you need to remind yourself that you're not the boss. And she does a good job of reminding <laughs> that you're partners. And it's it's really important. A lot of the good CEOs and a lot of the good marriages are people whose partners are very comfortable telling them where they're wrong. You know, I was talking to Chef Jose Andres, who's a very dear friend of mine, and we were talking about this topic. And he basically told me his wife just reminds him who he is. And I think it's really important. The more that you succeed in life, the more that you surround yourself with people in your team and in your friends that are not just going to tell you what you want to hear. It's very hard to succeed. And then for the people that report to you to not even give you too much benefit of that, well, he got there, so he must be right. And the minute you surround yourself with people that think that way, you're going to start making more mistakes. So what, so now do you feel that you still have control in your company? Do you feel that it was a great decision? Do you have a little bit of growing pains, you know, as every entrepreneur does when they get involved with big business and this is a new marriage for you. So how do you feel about the future and having such a massive partner? 
I'm super excited about Kind and its future, but I absolutely, it's a very, very challenging journey. And But it's, it didn't start now. It started when I was a one-person operation, right? You're one-person operation and you bring in that one first person. That's the hardest thing where you need to go from one to two. And that just takes so much learning. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way initially. Then you go from two to three and to five. And that's a whole set of new things where you need to. And throughout your journey, if you're a good leader, you are contracting yourself and letting people make mistakes and letting people lead and and attracting people that are in many ways better than you're what they do. But in many ways, they're not. And you need to just learn to deal with it. And as long as people have a commitment to excellence, recognize that they are going to make mistakes and it is not easy. And then going from 30 to 50 to 100 to 200 to 500, at every step of the way, you are like, you know, going from when I was CEO to becoming executive chairman was very hard. I'm for the first time no longer executive chairman. I'm moving into a chief impact officer role. And, you know, I'm always going to be the founder. It's, by the way, it's really fun too, because it's, a lot of your personal and professional growth, you want to do additional things. I want to do more things for society. I'm working really hard on building a movement uh, for moderate voices to discourage. You, you alluded earlier about the environment we're living in. I think you were talking about what all of us feel, whether you're left, center, or right. Suddenly, we're living in a very unforgiving world where people are very quick to judge and to, and 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 it's so unforgiving. People make mistakes and their lives are obliterated. And we just need to learn to be a little bit, give people more the benefit of the doubt, assume positive intent, accept that all humans by definition make mistakes and are going to make mistakes and, and just give people the opportunity to learn from their mistakes, not be so militant. And the, the generations that are growing up with social media being an attack platform with this inhuman thing, it then goes, you know, 10 years ago, and 15 years ago, we started noticing the danger of these online chats where people were just so nasty to one another because of the anonymity and the- It's the death of human interaction. But we thought it was going to stay there, right? We thought, and, and we, guess what? We are, how we behave every single day and all those little moments becomes who we are. And we as a society, all of these things are now seeping into our offline worlds. And all of a sudden we find a society that's, much less respectful, where we have stopped listening, where we're no longer learning to be more humble, empathetic listeners and critical thinkers and, and just recognize that we're not perfect and that we can learn from others, that we don't have all the answers. And so we're in the process of creating a platform for radical moderation. What does it mean to be a radical moderate? that you consciously, because it represents the vast majority of society are not on the far extreme left or on the far extreme right, whether you're, you know, progressive or conservative or centrist, how can you learn to listen to others better? How can you learn to think more reflectively and to be more accepting of others and more forgiving and that we're in the process of building this home for radical moderation? Well, because it eliminates the fear-based aspect where you say you might want to vote for someone or you believe in something and someone says you're an idiot, you don't fucking know anything, you're a racist or whatever it is, versus saying, okay, explain to me why you feel that way and having an actual conversation. This is why people closet vote. This is why people don't discuss who they vote for, what they believe in, because they're terrified they're going to be bullied and trolled for saying something that they might think. Maybe it's ignorant what they think, but someone educate them and have a conversation. I completely agree with that. So You know, you know John Mackey? Yeah, why do I know that name? Who's John Mackey? John Mackey is the founder of Whole Foods. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, and he's, uh, he and I have become friendly over the last several years, and he gave me one of my favorite frameworks. There are people that are progressive, there are people that are conservative, but there are people that try to learn from both and say, you know, and he calls those in integrationists, and he says, we need more integrationists. We need more people that say, there's great things in progressive thinking and there's things that are not great. There's great things in conservative thinking and there's things that are not so great. And just learn the best things from each and, and accept that no ideology is perfect, that no party is perfect, that no leader is perfect, and that we should be a little bit more humble to learn about each other. I agree. That's an amazing note to end on. You are wonderful to speak to. It's such a learning experience. And I'm just so grateful for today. 
So congratulations. It's amazing what you've done. You've built it with a great team, but you know, the idea came from you. So I'm impressed and I appreciate you giving us your time today. Thank you, Bethany. It's a pleasure to meet you and I look forward to meeting you in person one day. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a great day. The conversation with Daniel, the founder of Kind, was very interesting. He is very kind. He's very humble. And he has so much information about creating a business from the ground up when it's challenging, when you think you're not going to make it, when you really don't know which way to turn and which way to go. And we really went into the brass tacks of business and struggles and moves to make. And creating a business is really like just getting on your hiking shoes and going on a hike and you just don't know what path you're going to take. And many of the paths could work. If you're a really driven, hardworking, passionate, smart entrepreneur, many of these paths could work. We're just hearing about the paths people actually took. You have to create your own path. You have to figure out how you're going to navigate this journey, knowing that all these people that I speak to have a completely different journey than each other. So good luck with your journey, and I can't wait to hear more about it. Just Be is hosted and executive produced by me, Bethany Frankel. Just Be is a production of Be Real Productions and iHeartRadio. Our managing producer is Fiona Smith and our producer is Stephanie Stender. Our EP is Morgan Lavoie. To catch more moments from the show, follow us on Instagram at Just Be With Bethany. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.